Hey Church of the Beloved, my name is Kevin Zoe and I'm the production manager here at COTV. Just wanted to say a quick thanks for tuning in to our weekly sermon podcast. Today's message is brought to us by Pastor David Otua, who is a church planner in Chicago partnering with COTV. He is preaching from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. Uh, well, it's good to be with you guys. It's always great to be with you guys, even under not-so-great circumstances. I did find out yesterday that I was going to be here. And people keep, like, thanking me, like, oh, my gosh, like, what a miracle. Like, thank you so much. And so I have to make it clear to you guys, I usually write my sermons on Saturday morning anyways. And so this is nothing new to me. So it's totally cool. I'm happy uh, to be here. Abe asked me to uh, talk about prayer and I kind of joked, that's kind of the hardest topic you could give me because there's so much you could say about prayer, right? There's so many verses even in the Bible about prayer. You know me, I picked the shortest one probably in the whole Bible about prayer. Uh, pray without ceasing is what Paul says. Pray without ceasing. Pray uh, without stopping. How many of us have heard this verse before? This verse, pray without ceasing. Most of us, right? Uh, keep your hand raised, actually, if, if you've always kind of wondered what this verse meant. And maybe you've wondered, like, is Paul being literal, right? Is Paul being symbolic? Like, what does he mean, pray without stopping? Chances are, if you're like me, uh, if you grew up in the Western American tradition of church, this is a very confusing, odd concept to you. Like, we, we can't even imagine what it will look like or what it really means. Um... Chances are, if you're like me and you grew up in the Western American church, you might not actually have a full picture of what prayer really is. And so in my mind, in my humble opinion, I, I said there are three important elements to an important or, or to a healthy prayer life. And so I want to quickly share those three things, and then we're actually going to pray together, and then we'll be done. And so I want to start by hijacking a, a a uh, quote from St. Francis of Assisi, a lot of you guys are going to know it. It's when he says, uh, preach the gospel at all times, right? And when necessary, use words. I want to hijack that to talk about prayer by saying this. Pray at all times. And when necessary, use words. I want to ask you this. If someone uh, came to you, maybe it was a coworker, maybe it was a friend, maybe it was a neighbor, and they said, you know, I'm not familiar with all your uh, Christian jargon. What does prayer mean? Like, what do, you, what do you guys mean when you say that? Like, what do you, what's it like to pray? Like, what, what do you compare it to? I want you to think, how, how would you answer that question? Like, what's the analogy you would give them? What's the definition you would give them? They ask you, what, what do you mean when you say pray? What does prayer mean? When I grew up, what we always heard, what I always heard was prayer is like a conversation with God, right? It's like talking with God. How many of you guys, that's kind of what you were thinking, conversation, right? Talking, yeah, it's pretty common. Um, I don't think it's a perfect analogy, but let's ride with that for a second. If we believe prayer is a conversation uh, with God, um, then my question is, when is the last time your prayer didn't involve words? Or talking. If prayer is a conversation, shouldn't we have prayer times where we talk, but then also prayer times where we listen as well? 
And so to me, those are actually the first two elements of a healthy prayer life. First, speaking to the Lord. But two, listening to the Lord as well. I think we're really, really good at number one in the Western American church. This is just my opinion. I think we're really good at speaking in our prayers, right? We're good at prayers of thanksgiving. God, thank you for the day. Thank you for the food. Thank you for my family, right? We're good at that. We're good at prayers of uh, asking or supplications, right? God, please do this. God, can you do this? God, this, this, right? We're, we're good at that kind of prayer, talking, speaking. I was like, we're not as good at listening in our prayers. Many of us have never even taught that listening was part of prayer. I'll never forget, I volunteered for a camp. I think I was in middle school, and I was a camp counselor. And halfway through, you have to like meet with a leader who will basically give you feedback on how things are going, right? Maybe give you some tips or whatnot. So I sat down with my guy, and he started off, right? They always start off nice. Oh, you have a lot of energy. The kids like you. You're handsome. I don't know if he said that. But like he said, and, I, and honestly, halfway through, I was like, honestly, don't. I'm like nervous. I mean, don't give me the good stuff. Just tell me the bad stuff right away. Like what, what, what I need to work on. And what he said to me, and I'll never forget it. What he said to me was this. He said, David, sometimes when we're in a group and we're all sharing, right, I can tell that if you don't really, I think he said like respect the person or respect what they're saying, you kind of tune out. And I was like, dang. <laughs> you know, I thought it was going to be like your room's kind of messy, you know. I was like, that, that was kind of deep. I was like, wow, I wasn't quite ready for that. But it always stuck with me, right? That not being a good listener is kind of not respecting the person or what they're saying. And it really, it like changed the way I converse with people. And we all know people who unfortunately like this, right? Who, when you have a conversation with them, it's mostly them just speaking or waiting to speak. And you know how that often makes you feel, right? And so the question obviously becomes then, um, what would it look like to listen as much as we speak in our prayer life? I think it's going to be uh, actually hard for a lot of us because listening involves something that we're very, very uncomfortable with. Listening involves silence. That's uncomfortable, right? Listening involves silence. And silence is so rare in our society that when it happens, it's deafening to us. Every small group leader uh, has this experience where you ask a question and you're met with just silence. 
right? And you're like, I guess I'm just the worst small group leader of all time because they, like, they're not even looking at me. Like, that's how bad the question I must have been, right? You get, like, insecure, right? Awkward pauses. Or how many of us, you, we can't even sleep without some sounds in our room, right? We don't like uh, silence, but the problem is I think God actually really likes silence. Or at least I think God likes to move or speak when it's quiet, in silence. When Elijah was on uh, the mountain and he was looking for the presence of God, what does the passage say in 1 Kings? That God first sends what? Wind. And it moves the rocks. Can you imagine how loud that must have been? To be on this mountain, God's sending wind. It's moving all these rocks. It must have been terrifying, but also very loud. But Elijah did not sense the presence of God in the wind. God sends an earthquake, very loud. But Elijah doesn't sense the presence of God in the earthquake. God sends fire. You could hear, imagine the sound of the fire encircling around Elijah on the mountain. But Elijah did not sense God in the fire. What was it? A still small voice. A quiet whisper. And that's when Elijah sensed the presence of God. It must have been pretty quiet for Elijah to hear a whisper. I can almost imagine, right, you have all these terrifying Amazing natural occurrences, very loud, and then it was just eerie silence afterwards. And for whatever reason, that's when God often speaks to us. And so, if you want to be better at not just speaking, but also listening to the Lord in our prayer, we need to practice. Silence. But I don't think we can stop there because sometimes, in my opinion, silence actually isn't enough. Sometimes in our prayer life, there can be a lack of sound, but still a lot of noise. You feel me? Sound is something you hear in your eardrum, but noise is something you hear in your mind. You feel it in your heart. Noise is that work deadline that even as you're like in church now trying to listen, trying to participate, it's like in the back of your head, right? Noise is the worry about your plans or the lack of plans. Noise is the guilt that you often feel when you're not productive. Noise is the planning, the thinking, the worrying, the creating, the building, the designing, the collecting, the producing, the organizing, the assembling, the doing and the doing and the doing we feel in our hearts, and our minds, that is noise. And even when there's no sound, even in silence, there can be noise. And this is why I think there's a third element to a healthy prayer life. After speaking, after listening, it's being still. Being still. Being still is learning to eliminate 
noise. Part of listening is embracing silence, but part of being still is eliminating noise. The noise of our mind, the noise of our hearts. I say we are conditioned to live noisy lives, and so we're conditioned to pray noisy prayers. It's just how we are. And there's something about the West, we just can't quite get over this, that we, we think that our Christian lives are supposed to be characterized by action, always action with us. I don't know why. We love action. But one of the greatest commands that God gives us, one of the commands he's most strict about is inaction, rest, Sabbath. I think about Jesus after he was raised from the dead. He goes to his disciples, right? And what does he tell them? He says, guess what, guys? You're about to be witnesses all over the world. Places you didn't even know you were going to go to, I'm going to send you there. And then he tells them one command. What was it? Was it, therefore, pull out your Google Maps and figure out the route you're each going to take? Was it, go, hey, go sit down and write a manual now on how to share the gospel with people from different cultures? Right? Was it, hey, go work out, build your cardiovascular endurance, your strength? In the West, that's what we would do. That's what we would expect. Right? Those are productive, proactive things. Those are us being good stewards of God, right? That's what we would say. But what does Jesus tell his disciples after giving them this great commission that you're going to go out and, and be witnesses all over the world? What does he say? One word. Who knows it? What does he say? Anybody? Wait. Wait. In action. Don't plan. Don't think. Don't strategize. Wait. And so they go to the upper room. What do they do? They go to the upper room. The Bible says that they pray. And that's when the spirit, that's when the presence of God comes. I am willing to bet a lot of money that their prayer wasn't just them talking the whole time. I'm willing to bet a lot of money that prayer involved silence, stillness, inaction. And then God came. Hear me when I say this, that one of the greatest acts of faith that you can do is every day, right, while, while you still have plans and to-do lists and work stuff to figure out, every day in the midst of all of that, you make your prayer to God nothing more than being still with no productive thoughts. Being at peace. Did you know this is a form of prayer? Being at peace is a form of prayer. Being still is a form of prayer. Prayer isn't always a conversation. Prayer in its simplest definition is just entering the presence of God. And I don't know about you guys, the people I like the most are the people I don't have to always talk to. The people I could just be with, and we're okay. That's enough. We're happy. That's prayer with the Lord. I love what David says in the psalm. He says it in Psalm 132. He says, I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. I have stilled and quieted my soul. I'm like a nurtured child with its mother. Like a nurtured child, I am content. I am content. 
I am at peace. Even if it's just for a moment, five, ten minutes a day, where you say, God, I will give you my burdens so you can give me rest. I will be at peace. That is prayer. And so when we think about prayer being speaking, of course, right? Asking, those are good things. And thanking, that's a good thing. But also listening and uh, being still. Perhaps you could begin to understand better what Paul meant, right, when he said, pray without stopping. It's because prayer is not only the words you say, it's a posture in your life where you're constantly aware of and entering the presence of God. So what can this practically uh, look like? This has been a question on a lot of our minds. A lot of you guys know that uh, a group of us have, were kind of commissioned from uh, Beloved to uh, dis- kind of discern, kind of, uh, uh, what's the word? That's what a D I'm thinking of. Um, um, deconstruct, deconstruct. I'm not going to say that, but I'll give you credit. Deconstruct. Uh, church to imagine what church can look like uh, together and we've been trying to learn from different church traditions and this is what we've been talking about recently prayer and uh, maybe a fuller picture of prayer and so the good news is that what I'm saying is not new (laughs) our brothers and sisters in the east have been doing it since the beginning of the church Uh, we've been calling it contemplative prayer and so if you've to know everything I said Maybe at least write this down. Contemplative prayer. If you Google that, if you look that up, you'll find people much smarter than I am, right, who have very practical resources, ideas, suggestions, where you could practice prayer in a more contemplative way. I would strongly encourage you to do that. Um, One of the things that we did from that branch is called Lexio Divina. Some of you might be familiar with it. That's a thing we're actually going to do together. Now, I want to end this message with a type of contemplative prayer uh, together. So Lexio Divino is cool. It's it's, uh, essentially someone will read or you could read for yourself a passage from the Bible, right? And then you're just listening. You're not studying. You're not trying to take notes or write a sermon like if you were me. You're just listening to it. And you're open to um, what God might be saying to you through it. Or you're open to just being still as it's being read. As you can imagine, it's been a useful tool in the history of the church when people didn't have Bibles or people couldn't read the Bible. And so it isn't a tool that we should lose, but we should continue to use. And so we're going to try this Lexio Divina together. I'll read a passage to you and walk you through what this type of prayer could look like. Lexio Divina, it usually involves five steps. For the sake of time, we'll just do three. But for the first uh, step, what I want you to do is, if you want, you could close your eyes, but just begin to prepare your heart and mind for entering the presence of the Lord. That is prayer. It's going to be hard, but you can let go of worries and burdens and to-do lists. You can begin to quiet your soul. And let's just sit here in a few for a few minutes in silence.
I'm going to read a passage. And as I'm reading, um, just see if there's a particular word or phrase that sticks out to you. See if there's an image that comes to your mind. Or maybe it's just a feeling that you have. But after I read this passage, reflect on whatever word, image, or feeling that you may have. When Jesus came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. Suddenly a leper came and knelt before him saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. I'm going to read the passage again, and I want you to continue to reflect you know, on a word, maybe an image of feeling that you have. If you have nothing, that's okay. Maybe God just wants you to sit in his word, sit in his presence. But if he does give you something after I read it, I want you to respond to him. This is when you can speak. Maybe you just tell him what it is. Maybe you ask him about it. Maybe you just thank him for his word. I'll read it again and then respond to the Lord in prayer. When Jesus came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. Suddenly a leper came and knelt before him saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing. He said, be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed.
I'm going to read the passage one more time. And this is the time now to listen, to be still. Perhaps there's something God wants to say to you. Perhaps there's nothing. He just wants to be with you. But resist the temptation to fill the silence and simply wait on the Lord. If you find yourself beginning to wander, your thoughts beginning to wander, sometimes it's helpful to repeat a phrase to get you back on track. Perhaps you can say, Jesus is willing. When Jesus came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. Suddenly, a leper came and knelt before him saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately, his leprosy was cleansed.